0: Well, this is one of our good friends in Cellular Healing TV, Todd White from Dry Farm Wines, but he has a new product that I fell in love with called Bow Elixir. Look, I think we we talk a lot more information about the benefits of dry farmed wines. We explore the benefits and the health benefits of this new wine, perfect for the holiday season. And you'll hear some stories that uh, Todd and I never told until this episode, So you're going to learn new information, even if you know what a dry farmed wine is, I promise you that. But you're definitely going to hear some great stories, so stay tuned. I want to give thanks to one of our sponsors, CytoDefend. Look, at a time like this, I think that our immune system and keeping our immune system up right now is more important than ever. I can also tell you that I pay attention to the things that keep my immune system on par and healthy. So, so glad. That Cited Defend is one of our sponsors here on Cell TV. And it's a product that I use, my family uses, and hopefully you'll check it out. And by the way, you can check it out with the link right here below. If you wanna try a free bottle, you can actually get a free bottle, just pay the shipping, and I think you'll reorder after that, but check it out.
1: If you're listening to this podcast and want to access the amazing Cytodefend product Dr. Pompa just mentioned, please visit freeimmunity.com. Again, that's freeimmunity.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith, and today we welcome a longtime friend of the show, the man behind one of our very favorite companies, Todd White. As the founder of Dry Farm Wines, a writer, speaker, and leader in the organic natural wine movement, Todd has widely educated communities and conscious consumption. Todd is deeply passionate about bringing people together to share love and laughter through natural wine and the health benefits it provides. And he's here to share the newest addition, his incredible service. So let's get started and welcome Todd White and of course, Dr. Pompa to the show. Welcome both of you.
2: Nice, happy yeah. to be here.
1: Oh,
0: uh, Todd, we, we can throw all the scripts and formality out the window. You and I go a long, long way back, and are good friends. Um, you know, wine does amazing things. It brings uh, people together for a life, you know, and that's it's what incredible. You know,
2: <laughs> wine um, brightens the spirit and you know, opens one, the heart.
0: One of the things that um, you always say, and I, I totally agree with coming from an Italian family is you know wine just loosens up the conversation it's hard to have food good food without wine you know my uncle my uncle Lou always when we were kids he would say ah you just can't eat certain things without a little wine so he was always pouring a little wine in the our kids and all the kids glasses because you can't eat that without food or without the wine right you have to do this wine with that food and you just can't do it so of course as kids we always got a little bit of wine and uh, that's probably more of an Italian culture and some people would say oh gosh give a kid wine but I'll tell you none of us are alcoholics and we grew up with a respect for wine around food and you know just the the light-hearted conversations it brings around the table but You bring a wine that does more than that. You bring a wine that brings, yes, great conversation. Low in alcohol, because that's one of the things that makes you feel crappy the next day. Low in sugar or no sugar, because that makes you feel crappy the next day. No chemicals and glyphosate, because that makes you feel crappy beyond the next day, um, possibly into a lifetime. Uh, So you brought a passionate product that on this show we are passionate about, and that's Dry Farm Wines. But you know Todd, I, there's a new product I wanna talk about. This show's going out before the holidays. I made certain of it because you got these bottles in our hands and we tried them and i thought, mm, you know, I've tried some of these really cool sparkling whites, but I don't know. And I poured it Mary and I, and I fell in love and I texted you. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a show on these because I think they're spectacular and the perfect product for the holidays. So anyways, here we are doing the show that I had promised and about a product that I'm passionate about. Before we get into the new product, Todd, I I think, you know, look, we always have new viewers and and they're probably saying, what are they talking about? What is a dry farm? Let's kind of back up. I don't want to bore you with uh, the same questions, but please give us our new viewers and, and again, refresh the old, just what is a dry farm wine? What's so special about these wines, despite the fact that you ship them? everywhere in the world. Uh, I believe you're the largest source of online shipped wine. You're definitely the healthiest source of that, but fill us in once again.
2: Yeah. So, you know, here's what's happened in the conventional wine business before we get over to Bolix and the kind of new product, but it's important to understand why dry farm wine exists for your health and what's wrong with conventional wines. So natural wines, which is what I drink and sell, is a very confusing term to consumers because I say, oh, I sell natural wine. And they're like, well, aren't all wines natural? Right. They're not for a few reasons that I will share. But here's the real problem is Wall Street money and greed. So what happened in the wine industry in the last 30 or 40 years is the same thing that happened in our food supply. So your massive corporate consolidation fueled by Wall Street money. And so, in the wine industry, 52% of all US wines are manufactured by just three giant conglomerates. And these multi billion dollar conglomerates, they don't want you to know that. So, they hide behind thousands of brands and labels. So, when you go in the grocery store and you look across hundreds or thousands of bottles on that long aisle, or even in bottle shops, um, most of what you're looking at is factory product. So it's a highly processed factory product that contains additives and sugar and is usually high in alcohol, all problems that we have from a health perspective. So I love wine, but I don't love alcohol. And it surprises people to hear me who they think is the wine guy who hears the wine say this, wine is, alcohol is a dangerous neurotoxin that deserves respect. And it ruins millions of lives per year, and some people just shouldn't drink at all. That's true, right? And so, so we really advocate for thinking about what you drink, when you drink it, and how you drink it, right? And so, to really think about that, which is why I only sell lower alcohol wines, wines as low as seven percent, nothing higher than twelve and a half. But what happened is that you you had this massive corporate consolidation, fifty. 2% of wine by the way, but before, by, before
0: you even go, a typical napa wine that most people are drinking in the U.S. What is the alcohol? Fifteen percent and above, oftentimes I've seen them above. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Of course, it can be above. Yeah. And the thing is, this is another collusion. So one thing the the government and the wine industry have had this long time collusion, and it revolves around a couple of things, what I call the dirty, dark secrets of the wine business. So one is wine additives. So there's 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Everything I'm going to tell you here and have told you, you can easily verify through a Google search. This is not marketing speak. This is just kind of the facts yeah. of the way it yeah. is. Yeah. And how the wine industry has been successful in keeping this secret about these 76 additives is that there's no contents labeling on wine bottles. Anywhere in the world, uh, including, including of course, Europe. France has, oblig- has said they'll be the first country to put contents labeling on in a couple of years. But that's not happened yet. There's no chance, in my opinion, it will happen in the U.S. anytime. Because the alcohol lobby is so powerful in Washington. They don't want a contents label on your wine bottle. It's the largest food group without a contents label. It's a highly processed food. And, but they don't want the contents label because they don't want you to know what's really in it. They don't want to have to disclose to you that it might contain, let's say, dimethyldicarbonate, which is a highly toxic chemical that's used to treat the single most common bacterial fault in wine called mm. And So this very toxic and powerful chemical treats tens of millions of gallons of wine every year to fix this bacterial fault, which... If you don't fix the fault, then basically the wine is spoiled, right? And so th- this, this this really is all fueled not by trying to make wine better or healthier, but to make it cheaper and faster. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for irrigation. People say, what is dry farming? Well, dry farming is we don't allow the use of irrigation on the grapevines that produce the wines that we buy. And so...
0: Yeah, which I would argue that makes the roots go, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet deep searching for water, which they're picking up more nutrients, more minerals. I mean, look, I mean, that's why in Italy I can speak of. I mean, you're not allowed uh, to irrigate at least drinking wine.
2: Um, Well, most most European regions, Appalachians and countries... It's illegal to irrigate, yeah, uh, in in most of Europe because Europeans who've been growing wine for three thousand years already know what we know, which is irrigated fruit is produces a less healthy vine, a less healthy fruit with lower quality and character. It might not surprise you when you fill a grape berry full of water, you end up with lower everything because everything's diluted the polyphenols are diluted the, the the character of the grape is diluted the character of the flavor is diluted and the other problem with irrigation is that when you have a grape berry filled with water then you have to pick the fruit later riper higher in sugar to get proper phenolic flavoring and so then you end up with a high sugar fruit what does high sugar fruit produce high alcohol wine because when you make wine yeast eat the sugar the byproduct of that is is ethyl alcohol and carbon dioxide the more sugar there is to eat the higher the corresponding alcohol will come at the end of fermentation
0: i mean that's why in general european wines have less uh alcohol um less sugar uh, obviously uh, just because of the the process of not irrigating you know, and then I would argue, too, I mean, that's I mean, look, this is all happening because of money, if you think about it. Right. But well, of know, course,
2: it's all rooted in money.
0: Yeah. I mean, so Napa... all
2: of these problems across our food source, across right. uh, across what's been, you know, uh, uh, an assault on everything is driven by money. So it's you know, it's 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 hard takes real effort and focus and integrity to do the right thing where product is concerned and it's not the most profitable way to do it it's cheaper and faster to use irrigation so, it's well, cheaper sure. and faster to use chemical
0: farming of course. yeah but if you're not irrigating i mean if you're not here if you're not dry farming and you're irrigating then you're going to be forced to use chemicals because The the plant's not as healthy, and if the plant's not as healthy, then you're going to deal with more pests, more funguses, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you're
2: going to get, well, you're also going to be feeding it nitrogen from the same tube that feeds it water, right? And so this stunts the growth of the roots because the roots, as you mentioned earlier, see the roots of an irrigated grapevine are about four feet in diameter, about three or four feet deep, because they get all their source of nutrient and water from this little tube that's just above the trunk. You've Mm -hmm. seen them all over the United States less than 1% of U.S. vineyards are irrigated or are, are dry farmed in the United States. Super, super small number. And the crazy wow. thing is that didn't start, irrigation didn't start in grape farming until the 1970s. Prior yeah. to that, everything was dry farmed. Look, grapevines yeah. have been living irrigation free in some of the harshest climates on the planet, like Sicily is an example, where as you know, it's volcanic, yeah. it's very rocky, it is super dry and hot, right? And grapevines have been flourishing on the island of Sicily where there are some beautiful natural wines made there uh, without irrigation, right? And so yeah. you'll commonly, even the University of Davis, which is the leading analogy school in California, teaches that you cannot dry farm in California. And that's not true because there are some vineyards that are dry farmed. Yeah. But they actually teach that you can't dry farm, and um, it, because it's too hot and, dr- and too dry. And, and this, California is not near as hot or dry uh, as yeah. say Sicily yeah, or no, Greece.
0: Like, what's you the know. percentage that uh, dry farm in Napa?
2: I, <clears throat> like one percent, less than one percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you said, it, it is. There's like
2: uh, there's a half a dozen people you could name who and not all of them are exclusively dry farm. Just some of their vineyards are, uh, yeah, but there's, there's only a handful of people who, I mean, the leader of course is John Williams at frogsleep I mean, he's led the dry farming movement. They have a hundred percent certified organic and certified, um, dry farming. Yeah. They don't make natural wine. Uh, so, you know, this is another confusing thing. See, natural wine is always organic but not all organic wines are natural so yeah. and that really and that really has to do with whether or not they're additive free and whether or not they are fermenting with wild native indigenous yeast and then also you know this because you've drank some dry farm wines not let me let me restate you've drank some irrigation free wines <laughs> from Napa Valley Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing that's just different about a natural wine is that, and I have a lot of friends who make wines in the Napa Valley, but there's a style of winemaking in California that's just heavy-handed. Hand, ha- you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's, very... It's,
0: very well, I mean, I believe that it's heavy-handed. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I, I was saying is it partly heavy-handed, because they have to be, meaning that they care about the taste of their wine. Obviously they're, they, they pay a lot of money for that property out there. They wanna make a profit, they wanna make a good wine. But when you're irrigating, you, you have, you're already starting in a deficit and therefore it seems as though to me, and I've toured a lot of the vineyards, they bring in some very clever biochemists, which brings the heavy hand to try to make a better product. Is that the case?
2: Well, it's really what I'd call you know this this goes back to and this goes back to really Robert Parker who was the most formidable wine critic in history. And Robert right. Parker if
0: you have a Parker score.
2: Right. But you he invented the 100 point score. Yeah. Right? You sell a lot of wine at high prices. And so you know the winemaker's responsibility uh, to the landowner and to um, is to sell wine. And one of the, sure, the surest method for selling high-priced wines, and with the price of California land, you have to sell high-priced wines, right? And for, and for the cost of fruit there, which is also super expensive. So the surest path to selling a high-priced wine is to get a high rating, you know, from an expert. <clears throat> And in this particular case, Robert Parker was the most influential. Robert Parker has a style of wine that he likes that is very extracted, very rich, very heavy, uh, very bold, very dark.
0: Sounds and like I, a California Napa cab.
2: Right. With this is the, so everybody started making the same style of wine, also higher alcohol, because alcohol adds density to wine. And a lot of new French oak, you know, a lot of new oak which also adds other components to the wine that we don't think are necessarily good for you. Mm -hmm. So this, this just became chasing a rating, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're, you wanted to get a 90 point plus uh, rating from Parker and that resulted. So there was a style Mm -hmm. of wine that was established. And there were many, you know, like Robert Mondotti, who's now, who's now deceased, but you know, when this was all happening in the eighties and nineties, I mean, he was rebelling against it. Mm. He was saying, you know, we're, we we do not want to make, of course, Mondavi's not owned by Mondavis anymore, but we don't want to make this style of wine. We want to make a finessed balanced style of wine, right. That has old world characters. Right. Um, and so, you know, there was a big debate and the, you know, the big wine style won because that's what was getting the ratings. And, well, uh, that's
0: that ultimately at the end of the day, that's what's selling, then, right? If it's getting the ratings of people are buying them, then uh, you're going to see everything move in that direction. That's yeah. So then,
2: so then it just becomes, but you know, natural wines are not made that way, so they're not extracted like that. Uh, they're sugar-free in our case, and sugar adds mouthfeel and kind of finish, and alcohol adds density and weight, right? So when you drink a natural wine that's lower in alcohol, it's actually quite refreshing. It's not at all that experience of that heaviness. Mm -hmm. And if your diet, you know, if you eat in a way, if you eat whole foods, you know, if you eat um, unprocessed food, and if you eat top quality beef and top quality fish and top quality vegetables, then in the style that we eat, and I'm also I fast uh, every day, I only eat once per day, and then I, I'm starting a three-day water fast tomorrow. And so when you eat in this way, you can't drink these heavy kind of extracted wines. You want something that is lighter and fresher and more reflective of the way your palate is. Mm -hmm. And so the problem is when these people have these unhealthy palates, they need this big, bold wine to kind of cut through the deadness that is their palate. People's palate gets killed by processed foods and excess amounts of sugar. Right. And so when you eat whole real food and get off the sugar, get off the sugar thing and get off the processed chemicals, your palate Becomes alive, you'll restore your palate.
0: I've you, heard you, you, people you, you, drink the dry farm wines and say, "Oh, it's like it's very it tastes watery to me." And I know exactly what they've been drinking when they make the comment because to me, it's refreshing and I uh, the flavors pop out. Uh, you know, well, you feel
2: I, better too. For,
0: oh, so. of course you feel better. You know, but again, I, I I say just give it time, and you'll go back to those wines. And you, Th- this say, is a
2: common, we hear this like, all these wines are thin, they're kind of watery. It's like, well, when you remove alcohol and you remove all these chemicals and you remove sugar, then you get down to real honest. This is what wine tastes like that your grandfather would have made 100 years ago in his garage, right? It's just like, that's right, that's what it tastes like. And yeah. see, what you've been drinking isn't real honest wine. That's right. It's a yeah. factory product. It's well, a manipulated product sugar. that, that um, you know, that that that's been made to mm-hmm. appeal to this rated palate. Well, so right. anyway, but yeah. but you know, so it's it just it's just you just feel so much better and they taste so much better.
0: You so, leave sugar behind. You kill the yeast off early. Leave some sugar behind. That's a Napa trick it makes this bold flavor, it, you know, I mean, that's why cooks put sugar in things, right? It boldens the flavor, et cetera. So it's a cheat, but unfortunately that cheat makes you feel like crap the next day. Let's review for people. And by the way, I wanna be clear, Todd is not um, a winemaker. Uh, dry Farm Wines, the name of his company, he shops old world wines. And with that, he has a list of things that, uh, to make it to be a dry farm wine, you're going to have to um, make it uh, pass these categories. Yeah, so we have very
2: strict reviews. health criteria about how we view wine. First of all, it's got to be delicious. But after that, I mean, it has to be dry farmed, which is no irrigation, lower in alcohol, 12.5% or below, sugar-free, lab-tested by us. Um, and, you know, we, we and, and additive-free, So we don't allow these additives to be put in. So the natural wine movement has exploded in recent years because everybody in the health community has become very obsessed with them and people in the farm to table community and the chefs who are interested in serving you kind of organic food and knowing the source of their food as they're, they also want to know the same thing about their wine, right? And so there's been this huge explosion in natural wines. It's still a very small category inside the bigger wine sphere, but, but you know, there are a lot of people have taken interest in it. We've educated millions of people about why they should be drinking natural wines and why they shouldn't be drinking these conventional wines. And so what we've done now is we've taken it another step. So we've started introducing other lab tested, high quality natural products that can also like olive oil. So now we have, you know, a lab tested certified olive oil that's grown by the same organic and biodynamic growers that grow our wine. And then we also introduced this year, a super low alcohol botanical wine that we call Bolexer, which stands for uh, a botanical elixir. So it's actually a natural wine that has been steeped and, and blended and brewed with all botanical teas organic sun-dried teas one out elderflower uh, rose hips dandelion dandelion lavender yeah so these botanicals are bringing their unique organic health properties yeah and alongside with the wine because here what was what we discovered
0: i I I think think they're perfect for the holidays by the way that's why i said okay we have to do this show you know, before the holidays,
2: For sure, for sure. Because,
0: because they really... the
2: holidays we're drinking so much. These are super low alcohol. So they're in the six to seven, 8% alcohol range, generally average around 7%. So you can drink a lot more, a lot more frequently of them with less of the negative impacts that come from just from drinking alcohol.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So, I mean, I I, I love wine. I don't love alcohol. So I'm always looking for opportunities to drink less alcohol and still have like a refreshing wine experience and so what we discovered is when you removed all this alcohol it didn't taste like wine anymore right so once you get below about nine percent eight once you get below nine percent wine doesn't start to taste like wine anymore it starts to taste like just a beverage and so we were like okay well let's Enhance this with natural healing properties of botanicals and bring a blended flavor to it that gave it more complexity instead of tasting too watered down from having removed all this alcohol. So that's sort of how we combine these. This is how we kind of combine these two together and to create this botanical elixir. And it's delicious. We only made it, we only it's made in Austria for us by a young Austrian couple. Who kind of introduced correct. us to it. And yeah, that you know,
0: was. Who's making it for you? Okay, you answered that. Yeah, yeah, just this young
2: this young Austrian couple, we stumbled upon it a few years ago. They were making uh, the wife, they were in their late 20s, and they were going to have a baby. They were going to get pregnant. And she wanted to make something that she could drink during her pre- pregnancy or at stages during her pregnancy, which was super low alcohol. So she made the sparkling wine out of elderflower out of dried elderflowers and they didn't have hardly any of them. they made a little bit of it for themselves and they shared it with us and we we're like oh wow we have an audience for this because our mm-hmm. people love low alcohol products or a percentage of them do now let me be perfectly clear most of our customers still buy mostly natural wine right at more traditional products from us right they're just they just like this bolixir is fun it's easy for some daytime drinking, like if you you know having an earlier uh, earlier dinner or late lunch, and I don't normally recommend people drink during the daytime is going to happen, so then they drink this lower alcohol botanical elixir yeah, and this have a much a much better outcome
0: and let me be clear um Ashley will put the link in to order dry farm wines uh, in every state, but a few you can order them um and you can order all of the typical dry farm wines plus the bow elixir the new wine so uh and and by the way you do combination orders right you can order a few of those yeah you can
2: order any in any combination you want of course and And so
0: uh, monthly orders people um yeah and i i think you price your wines at at such a reasonable price that um it makes yeah let's uh, talk
2: about pricing because it's really important because natural wines are not expensive right? These are all handcrafted fine wine products, and they average $26 a bottle, and that includes shipping, right? $26 including shipping, because wine's expensive to ship because it's heavy, um, and it has to be refrigerated, and so it's just difficult to move it around, and it's more expensive, but we pay shipping all of our products, and even then it's $26 a bottle, and so that's just a really an astounding value. Natural wines are not expensive. The reason they're not expensive is because nobody knows what they are. Yeah. There's no natural wine brand because nobody can make natural wines in big enough quantities to create quote unquote, a brand.
1: Right. So there's
2: super good value. Absolutely. Um, and w- uniquely we price, we try to make it as simple as possible. All of our wines are exactly the same price. Doesn't matter what you buy. Yeah. Uh, sparkling, rosé, orange, bolixas, all the same price. Uh, every single bottle is the same price. This makes it super simple. Makes it
0: easy. Yeah.
2: And about 80% of our, 85% of our sales come from our wine club members who are subscribers because our goal really starting out as a wine club was to help people who drink on the regular mm-hmm. because the more you drink, the more often you drink, the more help you need, yeah. right? In order to stay healthy. And so I was a I was drinking daily. I still drink wine daily unless I'm on an extended water fast. I mentioned to you I'm starting one tomorrow for three days, which is not a terribly long. But three days I find really works great for me. Uh, by the end of the third day, I feel like I've gotten most of the benefit that.
0: Well, you know I'm what, you, you and I can fast for three days because I'm in maxitophagy day one because we're you know we're so metabolically flexible we fat fat adapted very quickly whereas most people take a few extra days to get there whereas you know we can get there very rapidly I
2: feel like by day three i've kind of like settled out of what i think is like most of the churning yeah right like if i go day four or five i don't feel like i'm getting as much benefit as i got in the first three days yeah. so for me I'm doing these like every other week right now, particularly during the holiday season. And I've just been really- By the
0: way, I, it's what I recommend. I, in the holidays, I feast famine. I mean, it's part of my concept, right? But um, you feast, when you feast, you feast. When you famine, you famine. So doing a, three, you know, a few three day fasts during the uh, holidays, it's how you enjoy the feast. Yeah, it's also
2: indicative of sort of ancestrally how we were able to eat and, you know, cycle in and out and maintain metabolic flexibility and adaptability and fat adaptability after, you know, experimenting with low carb, but, you know, feasting, as you've mentioned, you know, maintaining this metabolic flexibility and adaptability is very important, I think, I think most thought leaders in the space have, have come to this, to this concept, you were among the first but uh, but maybe the first, but um, but you know, uh, Mark Sisson is like super big on it now. Mm-hmm. Certainly wasn't when you were beginning. Yeah. At that point, he was still primal. Then he went to keto, and now he's yeah. kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is all about metabolic flexibility. Yeah. You yeah. were certainly the leader in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just called a diet variation, and it was just you know something that I knew worked. You know, and um, I, you know, I think in our industry, we just saw a lot of people trapped. Into there would help them, right? Um, of course, we see it with vegans, vegetarians, but then we start seeing it with the, you know, the keto people. We start seeing it with the paleo people, and you know, it's like, well, you know, it's a little bit of flexibility, diet variation is what our ancestors did, and lo and behold, it actually helps. It actually hormonally optimizes you. Uh, when you switch your diet around, feast and famine. I always tell people, I have to remind in our space that the feast is as important as the famine. In some spaces, you have to remind them that the famine is as important as the feast. <laughs>
2: right, right, um, right.
0: The combination is good. But yeah, look, I mean, the, the wine is part of it. It's part of what makes the feast fun. And you know, having a healthy wine, uh, you can feast healthy. I think that's um, the part of the message here. And um, you don't have to skimp on something as wonderful as wine, when we know that you found the good wines for us. So bravo for that, too.
2: Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. And you and I have drank a lot of wine together. So I mean, it's, you know, and we poured a lot of wine at your events. And, and it's just been an extraordinary uh, kind of opportunity to educate so many doctors, so many practitioners on why this is better, and for them to experience it, which was one of the beautiful things about being able to pour wine at so many of your events is that to, I love the proverb to feel is to understand. Yeah. Right. And it's because there's so much, there's so much conflicting information out there about what's good for us and what's not, or what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And so, but for people to experience what this feels like, I, 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 I apply this, I apply this concept to, all kinds of biohacks that there's just not sufficient scientific proof or, you know, or um, that I just say to feel is to understand. And when you feel something is working, that's the reason I love to share wine with people because they're like, oh, my gosh, this is really different. And they come back the next day after partying with us all night and they're like, I feel great. This is like completely different, particularly women with red wine. Right? Women particularly have a difficult time with the way red wines are made today, this very extracted uh-huh. and all the additives and manipulations that go into it. Red wines, for, for this reason, have uh, a very significant negative impact on many women. And you know this because they come up to me and they're like, at an event, they're like, oh, I love red wine, but I can't have any. Let me try your white wine. I was like, uh-huh. you can have this red wine. Uh-huh. You know, it's not going to do the same thing to you that you're accustomed to. And then and plus it has, you know, all the health benefits of polyphenols, flavonoids, yeah. and the flavonoids. But yeah, it's been a great journey, brother. I, we, yeah. I bet we're going to drink a lot more wine looking forward. So.
0: Oh, hi. I, I hope so. I hope so. Because uh, I always enjoy it. I remember that one time. Gosh, I, we came, we were out of Napa for a different, I think it was one of our events, our UAC events. You took us to dinner, me and, and some of our doctors. It was just a yeah, about
2: 12 of you. We had a big dinner. Yeah, Don Giovanni.
0: That's right. You remembered. I tell you, you had some of the best darn wines that I had ever had. I I remember that dinner. The food was extraordinary, but I particularly remember some of those wines. I don't know if you tapped into your like your private store of like your favorites over the last couple of years or what, but holy cow. Maybe I was just in that mood for good wine that night. I don't know, but that was extreme. Wine is
2: about set and setting where you are, who you're with, you know, like, of course they were great wines, but, uh, yeah. but, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, with natural wines are made in such small quantities, you know, we sell out, I mean, they just, we just, you know, they just go so fast. And then you know, there are ones that I happen to like personally, and I taste every wine that we sell. Yeah. You do. And so, um, um, so you know, there are ones that I personally like. That sometimes we can, sometimes we can't even get. It's just they're super allocated. Maybe I can only get like a few cases, and I just keep it for myself, right? And then I think we chat with we my that. friends.
0: <laughs> what's we, that i think we tapped into some of those that night i remember yeah. one from austria you mentioned austria right? yeah. where the elixirs were from but i remember one from austria that i was like how when do i get this in my order you're like you're not gonna get that one in your order i think you. yeah them. it's
2: the problem is you know it's like sometimes they're just so extraordinary that they're so highly allocated that you know we just can't get them yeah you know and 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 and, and at that point too oftentimes they're more expensive and they don't fit our regular program and, you know, yeah. but you can't get them anyway. And so you, you know, it's kind of like you, it's a privilege of being in the business. You kind of stumble across these things sometimes yeah, and then you like pull them off into your private library. So but I, listen, I, you, 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 get regular, our wines, they're all great. Uh, 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 they're, they're all delicious. It's just like, but again, a set and setting you're in a special place. You've got special friends with special food. And then the wine starts to taste more special, you know, so it's a combination of things.
0: Yeah, well, it is. You're right. I mean, it just sets the stage. And then the right
2: serving temperature. Most people serve red wines too warm, right? And so red wine should be served between 55 and 60 degrees. Most people serve red wine at room temperature. It's simply too warm and it does the wine not a great service. So having wine at proper serving temperature is super critically important as well. And so this is all these little things. They're having proper glassware, you know, with enough headspace, with the bowl, with enough headspace for the wine to express its perfume and aromatics, you know, because aromatics of wine are 50% of the enjoyment. And so if you have a glass that's too small or a glass that has too much wine in it. So this is another problem. You go into a restaurant, you order a glass of wine. Um, they're going to pour too much wine in the glass, right? Be- you can't really enjoy it because it's too high up in the glass. And typically the glasses are a little smaller because they want you to, they want the glass to appear full. So you don't think you've got a short pour. Right. Right. And so, but this isn't, this isn't contributing to your wine experience. And right. so you've got to you've got to have enough head space. That's the space in the top of the glass before the wine. So, you know, one hack to that is to get an empty glass and just pour some off. The other thing is servers will also overfill your glass, even if it's from your own bottle. Yes. Right. Yeah. They just, they, it's just, they're just wired that
0: way. Yeah. Because they right. want to be doing their job. And they right, right. They work.
2: always want to be filling your glass up. Right. Because that's their job of like, whoa, 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 whoa I'll serve myself.
0: Right. You I know, mean, one of the things I do, I, I sit there and I spin my red wine, right? I I sit there and my, my son said, dad, why are you always spinning your wine? Right. It's become a habit because it oxygenates the wine, right? It brings out the flavor. And of course I'm constantly smelling it because I have a better nose than I do a palate.
2: I listen, you can, you can tell, you can tell more from a wine from smelling than tasting. Like I can tell, if a wine's flawed just from smelling, i don't need to taste me too. it do.
0: yeah, me too, right
2: and um so you I actually think you can tell more about the wine from its aromatics yes than than tasting it
0: a, a funny story, right, so um when our whole family had covid right, and you know uh, my wife's only symptom was she lost her sense of smell, which right you know, Oof, that's tough. Had, that was it, that was it, right, so me and the kids we had fever for a couple of days right and i didn't lose my sense of smell or taste right however i must have been affected slightly because i kept smelling wines going it's turned and you right. know so i literally dumped a bottle out right after i you know and i even tasted it and said oh it's turned right so another one same bottle opened it up i said it's turned my daughter poured some and tasted she said no it's fine right <laughs> so i'm like how can i be wrong and i handed it to someone else. And they're like, no, it's fine. Right. So I, I realized it was probably a month that wa- all wine tasted the same to me. Right. Uh, and that, was, that was my, my horrible COVID experience. It was like, Oh my gosh. It's like, I, I can't enjoy wine. Right. So that was me. That was me. Right. That was so, a
2: pretty terrible experience. I hate to hear that you couldn't enjoy wine.
0: Yeah. Right. I sound like a, a total snob actually, as I hear myself say that because people got very sick from the virus. So, um, I, you know, feel poorly for anyone who got sick, but I really was funny to me because I was insisting that these wines were like absolutely turned, right? <laughs> so, nice,
2: <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Well, well
0: Kyle, we love you. We appreciate you coming on and uh, y'all can order from uh, the link here in the show. The Bo Elixir is the new wine that I think is perfect for the holidays. So make sure you get some of those, but enjoy the wines that... Uh, did you travel the world to find for us? And by the way, how did COVID affect that travel? What did you do? I, I meant to ask you that question.
2: Well, when the lockdown happened, I mean, when, you know, when it was announced that flights were going to shut down from Europe, we actually had four people on the ground who we had to get emergency flights out for. So we brought them home. Basically, we have. Um, 2020 we were scheduled to go this month and we were going to be based in Austria and Austrian government just shut down travel again. And a number of cities have been locked down. So we canceled that trip and we've just been having a bunch of samples come over DHL, you know, so, uh, people send us samples and our business goes on and, you know, we've adapted like many other people. Um, you know, we miss being there. I just did a, uh, Uh, I just did a talk, actually a virtual talk on natural wines in London today. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're adapting.
0: Well, that's good. I'm glad you adapted and uh, praise God for that. But uh, my Internet connection, because I'm not on my main computer, is actually just starting to go wonky. So good time to end the show. Thank you for being on.
2: Love you. Peace out. And look forward to drinking some wine with you.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, man. Hey, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Cytodetox. Look, podcasts cost money. There's a lot of production uh, going around this, but uh, we are grateful to have Cytodetox as one of the sponsors. It's so easy for me to talk about the product because myself and my family use it constantly as we practice what I preach. For over 15 years, I've talked about and taught doctors and the public about cellular detox and I'll tell you, CYTO was a breakthrough. CYTO was a breakthrough for us. Um, and it's changed so many lives. So we're grateful that they sponsor Cellular Healing TV. It makes sense, doesn't it? They should.
1: If you're listening to this podcast and want to access the amazing CYTO detox product Dr. Pompa just mentioned, please visit DetoxOffer.com. Again, that's DetoxOffer.com. Well, that's it for this week. The materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you would like to purchase some of the supplements mentioned on this show, please visit the site as seen on chtv.com and use the code CHTV15 for 15% off. Again, that's as seen on chtv.com. Use the code CHTV15 for 15% off. And as always, thanks for listening.